is episode 94 of Offscript with Trish Close, intimate interviews with interesting people. Joining me today via Skype, I have Ken Troutman. Hello, Ken. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. How are you? Doing well. You are the president and CEO of People's Bank. That's correct. Okay, so let's back up a little bit before we get into today's podcast topic, which is all things financial. We're going to be talking about um, some things today, and Ken, I'm hoping, is going to not only put some things into perspective for us, but also help us out. Um, Ken, where are you from originally? I, I'm actually a, an Oregon native, born in Grants Pass, and migrated all the way to Medford. Awesome. And uh, you got into banking when? I'm assuming you've been doing this your entire life. Yeah, back in the late 70s. That was another recession with high inflation. Oh, yeah. Okay. So how did you start in, in this business of banking? Were you a teller? Like, How did that start for you? Well, I was an accidental banker. There was a recession going on. I'm, I'm a, an accountant, business administration major from college. Um, the economy went down, so I got into banking just to kind of bridge a, a down market back in 79 and now 40, what is it, 41 years later, I'm at the end of my career, so. Yeah, so obviously you're moving up within this world of banking. Now you're, you're the head honcho over there at People's Bank. Yeah, my partner and I, we started People's Bank uh, back in 1998. Um, Mike Sickles was the chairman of the board and the CEO. I was the president. We had seven of us. Uh, we've grown from there. Now we have six branches and 110 employees. Nice. Awesome. Uh, how does one start a bank? How, how do you even go down that road? Well, first of all, you got to be stubborn. Um, you've, you need a lot of different things to happen. You've got to have a vision of what you want to do. You've got to be able to put a team together that can run a bank. You've got to have directors who are willing to risk everything to help start the bank. And then you got to have local investors that are willing to fund the bank. After all this comes together, then you ask the regulators to approve your charter and you are open for business. Mm -hmm. I mean, you. this is a very important uh, role that you play in the community. You're essentially I don't even want to say essentially, correct me if I'm wrong, you're taking care of my money, right? I hope so. Okay. If not, I will be. <laughs> I hope so too. <laughs> um, let's talk about, let's get into, I guess, the reason why we are um, here today. Uh, essentially, we're talking about COVID-19 and, and this um, unemployment claims and people right now don't have jobs, they're not making money, so I don't even really know where to start, Ken. I mean, what does the current situation right now look like in this financial world? It, I mean, to me, it's incredibly scary. You know, it's uh, things have changed so fast. Just trying to keep up with, with all of the new offerings that are available has been a bit of a challenge. You know, 30 days ago, I wrote an, a, a, a letter to the shareholders of People's Bank telling them about our year. And, and really, 30 days ago, it was unbelievably good. Things, unemployment was low. The businesses were doing very well. Um, now, a week later, or a week, well, last, last 10 days, things have changed dramatically. Um, we have, when you look at Oregon, businesses that have been forced to, to shut down. The city of Ashland, the, that whole community has been just devastated with the loss of Shakespeare, of the restaurants, the, the motel business, and we've got a branch in that town. So things are different. No, there's no question. We're trying to figure out how to navigate through the changes. We've been given some tools by our regulators and by our, our, our Congress and president to try and help us through the process. The challenge has been trying to understand what those 
tools are, how they apply, who qualifies, and how we get the money out. So that's the stage we're in right now. Uh, a week ago Friday, we were given approval to make what's called the SBA 7A PPP loans, which is payroll protection plan loans. Um, and they're, it's, it's a, a broad-based program they put together on a very short notice using the 7A um, qualification guidelines with some exceptions. So our, our challenge was trying to understand those, those rules and get the money out to our customers as soon as we can. So a week ago Friday at 12.01 a.m., our staff were going online with the SBA portable to get approvals for our customers on these loans. The way the loans work, they're fairly simple, I guess, in the application. The money is is qualified based on your payroll, and that is all payroll, including health benefits, uh, any leave you would have, your 401k. It excludes the salary that an individual would make over 100000 but you, you accumulate all that, come up with an average monthly salary, times that times two and a half times, and you get the qualified amount of a loan. So that was the first step we had to figure out how to do, which I think we now understand that. Um, what we didn't know is what our thought process was, is we'll get the approval, we'll have the money reserved for our clients, and then over the next 30 days, we'll disperse it. And the reason that was important to us is think about a, a restaurant that's been closed. They don't have employees right now. They can't even hire back employees till this governor has given them permission to open. The way the payback and the forgiveness of the PPP loans works, you take the the next eight weeks of salary um, and other covered benefits and apply those together and determine the amount of forgiveness. 75% of the forgiveness is based on payroll. You have eight weeks to total this. The guidance came back and said, we have to fund the loans we've approved within 10 days. Mm. The problem is if a business isn't open yet, it is not allowed to open, the forgiveness portion of their loan goes away. And so we're trying to work through that. We've been champions for our, our businesses at the national level, trying to get an accommodation. But I feel a little sorry for our treasury and our SBA departments because they were given a task to do almost overnight with no guidance. And, and we've never had a set of rules to work on. So right. we're trying to navigate through it. Well, I heard this morning this whole crisis, everything from from the financial end of it, the unemployment end of it to the medical side of it. It's like flying learning how to fly a plane while you're flying the plane. <laughs> or swimming by being thrown overboard. Yeah. Right. It's very, very difficult. And and I think the, the key is um, everybody's trying to do the right thing at every level. You know, it, they understand the emergency. The need to shut our businesses down makes sense. The question will be when they open up again. Um, I got a feeling we're going to err on the safe side and probably keep them closed longer than most of us would have thought. Initially, we thought April might be what we're looking at and open in May. I'm hearing now it might be the whole month of May. Mm. Uh, so trying to navigate through this uncertain time, um, especially if you're a business owner and your whole livelihood is activity. But if you're an employee of that business, how are you impacted and what do you do? Right. I mean, it just it hurts my heart just to think about it. Right. Yeah. So um, I want to get to really quickly. You wrote an editorial. This was dated on March 25th. The uh, don't uh, don't want an economic collapse. Keep paying bills during COVID-19 uncertainty. Um, and you write events have unfolded quickly across the nation. But rest assured, this event is not similar to the Great Recession of 2008. When looking at the banking industry as a whole, we have entered this period of uncertainty in a position of great strength. So I was thinking about this this morning. If I were unemployed tomorrow 
and I'm having all these bills. How do you how do you keep paying your bills if you don't have income coming in? As as my mama used to tell me, you can't get blood from a turnip. So like, wh what do you do right now? Well, you've got two classes of people right now. You've got those that are employed still. You have those that are actually employed and not working. Their employers are paying them for the time that they're off. That group hasn't been significantly impacted financially, um, but they're being told really with every time, everything you listen on the national news and really anything you read, that there's debt, there's forgiveness going, that you don't really need to pay bills. Then you have the group that really is impacted. They've been laid off. They have no income coming from their employer. They're on unemployment, which has had its own disasters trying to get up and running and, and working efficiently because the volumes are so great. But they're going to get checks, and hopefully they're all getting those immediately. And I think they've added to the amount of unemployment they're going to, they're going to get and extend the time period. That group has to worry about two things first. Their family, which means they have food and they're taking care of their health. Um, and then the bills they have afterwards. This is a unique situation. That group is not going, they're going to be the ones talking to their lender, their landlord, and letting them know of the situation they're in, which is really critical. I think communication now is, is vital. The other group that has no impact financially, and they're also that other, the second group that's still working and getting income is going to get a federal stimulus check probably this week, somewhere around 1200 a person, 2400 a, a family with a, uh, 500 per kid. So they're going to get some pretty good money. That's kind of what I was talking about in my editorial. That group needs to make sure that they keep the economy moving, pay the bills they have, spend money like they normally would do at our local businesses so they have a chance to generate income. Um, we would never want to say, and I and I hope my message wasn't, I didn't miss, miswrite it such mm -hmm. that we're implying that everybody needs to do that first. Mm -mm. You have to make sure you've got food, safety, and, and your family's taken care of. Once that's met, then we have other obligations that we need to watch out for. It sounds like you have to be strategic, right? So pay the things that you, you have to do, uh, you know, groceries, that kind of thing. And then with those other bills, it almost sounds like, should we reach out to, you know, our, our landlords or our cell phone bill what, and say, hey, I, I can only make half the payment this month. I mean, is that is that a good way to go? I would. You know, that that's going to be a challenge. Now, you got to remember that the whole world is is going through this at the same time. So you might have trouble getting hold of your landlord or your phone company. You know, be patient. I think they understand what's going on. You know, the state, when they sent out guidance to the banks, they said, we want you to do some things that you would normally not do. We want you to to not collect any late fees on loans for clients that might be late. We want you to waive any overdraft fees your clients might have as they're trying to manage through the system. We want you to waive ATM fees with clients regardless of where they go so they have access to cash. And do all these things and do it as, as to the best of your ability. And by the way, don't report any of your clients to the credit bureau that's being passed due. This is a unique time. Don't wreck their credit on something they had nothing to do with. And we're, we're all trying to accomplish that. And in addition, then learn the different programs that are out there. We've reached out to our customers and we've offered deferrals on payments um, for up to 90 days if they want. We'll do interest only if they want. Um, we'll talk to them, whatever the situation is. The key though, that, and the, the reason I said it's different than the Great Recession, if you remember back in the Great Recession, nobody wanted to talk to you until you were past due. And sometimes they encouraged you to be 60 days past due. This time around, you really need to let everybody know early on. We, 
from an accounting side, banks have got different things they have to do with their problem loans. But if we get a head start with a customer before they're past due, there's a there's many, many things we can do to help them out. Okay. Um, and it also sounds like from the Great Recession, you're, you're saying that we're in a better position now than we were in 2008? Well, we're, we're relying as a nation on the banking system to kind of work us through this. Back in the Great Recession, banks had very little equity, had reduced equity. So some banks, let's say, have 8%. We have a minimum amount we need by regulation to, to have to run. Our equity covers our losses. So a bank that had 8% in the Great Recession probably has 12% today. That's a huge cushion that, that allows you to work with your clients. And that's what I talked about. We went into this with really no past dues, no problem credits, no foreclosures that we were working on, um, and a lot of a lot of collateral. And so that is a perfect scenario to go into a disaster with. Uh, now the key is how do we manage through that and how do we be responsive and help those customers that need help? What did we learn from the Great Recession, if anything? You know, what I learned is that the government and I think the banks were all really slow and communicating with their their clientele. Nobody knew what the rules were. And then when you tried to call and find out, nobody answered their phones mm -hmm. because they were so overwhelmed. So I think this time around, if you watch what's going on, there's a lot of early dialogue for, at every level from our state, from our federal. And then we, we have processed that at the banks. We're trying to reach out way in advance to our clients that we think could be impacted. And we're hope we're available and have enough phone lines to answer calls from from those we have not reached out to this time also. Yeah, I will say it's nice to hear you and other businesses kind of giving that support for whether you're, you know, renting a business space or renting an apartment, that there is this idea that we are all in this together and there's a little bit of, it's okay, don't worry about this month's rent. I mean, that, that's really happening right now across the nation. Yeah, it is. You know, I think uh, this is unique, though, where you've had everybody impacted by this. And if it's not financially, then it's emotionally. Um, you're going through things right now that you probably have never gone on. You're at home. Mm -hmm. We've been home, what, for three weeks now? Right. With mental contact. And a lot of people, that's not the way we operate. We we tend to be a, a very social community. We go out, we visit our restaurants, we visit our businesses, we visit our family. Um, we haven't been able to do that at the same level. Right. You also um, encourage folks to not consolidate cash at home, right? Correct. I, you know, I, we saw this during the Great Recession. Yeah. The first thing when people got worried is they come into the bank, give me 200000 in cash. I'm going to stick it in a safe at home and weather it. You know, that, that worries me because there are still a lot of bad guys out there waiting to take advantage of, of folks if they can. The financial system is it's actually very strong. You've got FDIC insurance really up to the 250000 per account, which could actually go up to a couple million. Right now, the, uh, the other thing that, that Congress is considering, working with the Treasury and FDIC, is how to do unlimited guarantee of non-interest-bearing demand deposits. So just to take that, that, that uh, risk of fear away of, is my, funny safe, is my money safe? So I'm by far uh, more comfortable that folks leaving their money in their bank or credit union would be better off than pulling a lot of cash out. You've got such a, a huge electronic transmission capability for accessing money with debit cards and person-to-person, -person, uh, PayPal, all kinds of different things right now that you don't need a lot of cash. Mm -hmm. And you can't really go anywhere and spend it. So don't, I, you know, 
be really careful how much you hold on hand. Yeah, I think in a crisis, we have those visions from you know the Great Depression time of lines at the bank and the windows closing and people not being able to get their cash. We have that vision, but things are so much different now when it comes to your money and where it is and how safe it is. You know, it's all about paper. I just didn't realize that toilet paper was number one. Banks were number two. <laughs> right? Crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. But we are, as you, as we've talked about, as a lot of us mentioned, we're just, this is just a unique time and we're learning things every single day as we go. Um, and also on the financial side, we are starting to see those stimulus checks coming in to individuals and to employers. Uh, what should people do with those? We, we've kind of touched on it a little bit, but what should what should folks do with that that money that they're getting from the government? Well, again, back to that two classes. If you're not working, that money is going to help you get survived. That's going to help with your food and medicine and all the things you need for your household. It might help pay your rent or your lease or your mortgage payment, but those are in the order. Um, you know, I, it's if you're not in SS or not actually out of work and and you are getting your payroll, this is extra money, and you're going to have to decide how you want to how you want to use that. You know, are you going to stick it in a savings account and save it for later? You're going to pay down debt. Are you going to hold it in case uh, there's a more of a downturn in the economy? There's those decisions that people will have to make on that one, and I don't necessarily have a great suggestion there because I'm not sure how long the impact is going to be of the down market. So. Yeah. I think it's a good idea to have some some extra funds on hand, uh, not necessarily cash, but have it in the bank so you can have access to it. But don't do that to the extent of paying your bills. You're going to have to keep those current and make it up somewhere along the line. So it's better not to let it get behind if you can help. Okay. And we haven't really discussed this at all. I haven't really talked about this uh, topic with anyone. Those who are working, let's say everyone in the house is working. Um, what should those folks be doing? How can how can those who are employed help out right now? Well, you know, we've had, when you take a look at our restaurants, they've had to close, but some of them are doing takeout. Occasionally, you know, order takeout from them. Help them out if you can. I think a lot of folks are helping their nonprofits. You're seeing some really good success with Access and, um, and other nonprofits trying to help out in the community. Um, you can't go out and really do a whole lot. You can't take a vacation. You can't go out to the movies. Uh, so you're going to probably be figuring out how to take care of things at home. We might see a... a, a a little bit of a spending binge on some of the things we wanted that uh, that big flat screen TV maybe that we needed to see but that should happen after everything else has been taken care of and, and when you truly consider the money to have to be excess okay because it seems to me and I correct me if I'm wrong but just for us I know personally you know getting some takeout two three times a week is that helping is that doing something I think it really is. Um, with the bank, all our employees are working. Uh, we've had no cases of anybody being ill. We've had to separate them. We've made some significant changes. Our lobbies are closed, but our drive-ups are open. Mm -hmm. You can you can come into a lobby by appointment just to make sure that we keep good spacing. Um, so, but because our employees are here and they can't really go anywhere, we've ordered food in. We've had customers that uh, have cookies. So we've, you know, I mean, we're all gaining weight. That's for darn sure. But uh, so we're trying to help those uh, work with those clients that, of ours that could do things for us in the way of food and, and entertainment. We actually are taking uh, another step on this crisis that we really hadn't anticipated. We are required as a bank to have a succession plan. 
and a disaster recovery plan. And the succession plan says, okay, what happens if the CEO dies overnight in a car wreck? How do you run the bank? So we decided, you know, why leave a good disaster unused? We, uh, I woke up one morning and came into work and told staff that I passed away from the virus. Our chief financial officer passed away and our head of operations is uh, on a, a ventilator. How are you guys going to run it? That afternoon, they had a board meeting. Um, I, I got on the phone with the board and said, here's what's happening. We have just now had a disaster. You have your succession plan. Let's see how it works. And so we've been living through this now for three days. We're going to run it for another five. And it's the hardest thing in the world for me because now I have to shut up. I have to listen. I found I have a tremendous staff. They're really knowledgeable. They're um, they, they want to do the right things, and uh, and our plan is working, but there are some holes in it. We found out too much of our controls and too few of people. That includes our codes and our security. Um, and, and who would have thought a disaster like this that could come and actually devastate a business? Uh, so we're using that. That's a, a real-life tool that we'll be able to put in our file and see, here's what we did, here's what we learned, here's what we'll change. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think that's probably a good practice for lots of different businesses out there right now. I would say so. You know, what you find out is, if just take uh, take your home. Uh, if one of the spouses does all the work on the computer and has all the codes and has them memorized, what happens if that person's gone? Right. How do you do what you do? Uh, so we're looking at that at my house. We're, we're making sure that we both understand what we're doing and how we do it. Um, and it's going to make a big difference for us. Oh. That means I have to start paying the bills now, Ken. You got to look at that. That's true. Dang it. No, it's a good it's a good way of thinking. And I actually, uh, my husband and I had this conversation yesterday. Just a, what happens, or what would happen if again tomorrow, I'm out of a job? Like, what would we do? Like, you really have to ask yourself those questions and and figure out your game plan, right? Yeah, and you know, and, and bad things happen rapidly. They don't give you a time to react and plan. So you want to do that in advance and make sure everything is taken care of. And hopefully you only have to do that for a short time period and things get back to normal or you get a new job. Um, but you know, this is something that our kids are going to look back on 30 years from now and say, do you remember when? Um, and they're going to tell their kids and say, no, it could never happen. Uh, let's hope it does not happen again. Okay, so Ken, you know, in closing, we can wrap this up a little bit. What what should we be doing right now? If if you're unemployed, if you are employed, are there resources out there that people, you know, if obviously if you've lost your job, you're going to file for unemployment. Is there anything we should be looking at? Maybe business owners should they be heading to the SBA's website and, and getting some tips or some guidance? Yeah, from the business owner side, make make your first call to your bank. If you have not signed up for the PPP program, take a look at it. It doesn't necessarily help uh, self-employed and independent contractors to the same level as other businesses, but self-employed and independent contractors are eligible as of last Friday. We're still waiting for some rules to come out on how to calculate that. But talk to them. They have a lot of different tools to use, not just PPP. We've got the IDLE program, we've got other SBA, and then the in-house bank products that we all have to use. So there's communication is step one. Just try and get through, talk to somebody, tell them what's going on and see if they can give you some feedback. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it sounds like if you're a business owner, um, the first, yeah, your first call is wanting talking to your bank and figuring out your plan for who knows how long this is going to last. 
Correct. And just and I would touch base with them, you know, every couple of weeks to tell them throughout the process. We try to make sure we are in direct contact with our clients as often as we can. You know, right as of uh, Friday, we had over 500 PPP applications filed at the bank. We had 373 approved through SBA for a little over $61 million. We got another 12 million that we're processing. Our first party was our own customers, but now we're working on the general community. So if your bank isn't in the process or, or is maxed out, then give us a call. Let us help you. Mm-hmm. The key is take advantage of what's available right now. Let's let's hope this is a, a shorter time period that we're talking about one month, no more than two. When it's over, I think we're going to see a pretty big recovery. People are tired of doing nothing. They're going to have some money. Hopefully, they're going to be employed again. We went into this with a very, very low unemployment um, rate. We were looking for employees. Um, coming out of this, we're going to need those same people back again. So let's uh, have everybody be safe and, and take care. Keep your distancing. We, we want when it's time to open up that we're all ready for business again. Absolutely. Will, one more question for you. You know, I look at all of this money com- going out from the federal government. Are we going to survive this as a nation? Oh, I, th- I think so. But the, and I was just talking with a bank investor this morning uh, that's in New York. And his question was, he remembers, he was a little kid during the uh, depression or the great re- the recession of, of 79, 80, and 81, where interest rates went up to 21% and they were changing daily. I was a brand new banker then running a note window and I just couldn't believe the changes going on. But you know what? It didn't last a long time. It only impacted people who were heavy borrowers, and we worked our way through it. This one we will work through. There potentially could be some inflationary issues we have to deal with. I, th- I think our government has uh, learned some lessons on on how to manage through that. So I have a pretty positive outlook. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I did a podcast with a historian last week, and the one thing I learned through our history, whether it's a pandemic or a recession or a depression, we survive them. We survive. We do. You know, do you have time for a short story? Uh, of course. I always have time for a short story. You know, we get so focused on what's impacting us and our employees that we forget about our, our little four-legged friends. Um, and I've got labs at home. And last night, I, I got a little bit of back problems. I woke up at 3 in the morning, and I went and sat in my, my recliner. And my yellow lab came up, and he never does this, but he climbed up in my lap put his head on my cheek and it was there for just probably 30 seconds. And I think he recognized the stress we're all going for. And he got down and he was happy. And you know what? When it was done, I felt better. It just made me feel feel very good. So yes. you got to remember those little guys out there that are really attuned to our emotions and what's going on and, and thank them for being our friends too. I have uh, an Italian Mastiff at home who is very much in tune to our anxiety level, so much so that He'll just come over and sit next to us and lean, which is 140 pounds. So, <laughs> but it feels, it's comforting, right? It just, it's it really is. comforting right now to have, and, and they know, they know when we're stressed out. Yeah, they do. They're pretty special. Well, I'm really glad. Well, what's your dog's name that? It, it's Ruger. Ruger. So Ruger climbed in your lap this morning. at 90 pound yellow lab. And when I could finally catch my breath. <laughs> It was so cute, and he really didn't want anything. He just wanted to let me know that things are okay. And he went back to his bed and went to sleep. Ruger, thanks, buddy. <laughs> that's such a great story, and that's a perfect story to close this with. Thank you so much for taking the time out. I am sure glad 
People's Bank is out there. I mean, you guys uh, definitely are in this community and supporting your customers and supporting these local businesses. And that just makes me feel real good. Thank you. I appreciate it. And if you are listening to this podcast on Apple's podcast app and you like it, please subscribe, rate, and review. It helps other people find us. We're also on Stitcher, Google Play, and SoundCloud. And you can watch the version, the video version of this podcast on YouTube and at ktvl.com. One more time, Ken from People's Bank, thank you so much um, for joining me and thank you for the information. We appreciate it. All right, thank you. <laughs>